I want you to take your copy of God's Word today, if you will, and turn again to the Gospel of Matthew. Just as we have over the last few weeks, we have settled into chapter 6, and we want to give attention especially to verse 10 today. Last night, I was watching a news broadcast, and I must confess to you this morning, I watched too much news. Anybody else probably need to join me at the altar this day and just kind of lay it there and So they were advertising, though, for a new show that was coming on this news channel. And uh, it was entitled Finding Jesus. Some of you may have seen that or seen it advertised. But we were sitting there together. The commercial came on. And it spoke about finding Jesus. My five-year-old was standing there in the living room when that advertisement came through. And she heard them say, Finding Jesus. And she looked at me and she said, Dad... Where did he go? (laughs) And I'm going to tell you, I stopped for a moment. I had to really think about it. How was I going to explain this to her, exactly what they meant? But, you know, there are times in our lives, I mean, there are times in our lives when it seems like it is very difficult to maybe find Jesus, or let's just say find Jesus' will find his guidance, try to find his plan, his purpose. There are some times in our lives when we struggle with what he would have us to do. We struggle with his will. But I want you to see that as we look at this passage today, that Jesus prayed that God's will would be done, that his kingdom would come, yes, and that his will would be done. In verse 10, as we looked at last week, Jesus prayed that there would come this moment, this kingdom realization here on this earth, that somehow that all people would recognize that he is the king. And he said, we ought to pray to this end. He is the king, and he has called us all into the kingdom. We ought to pray for that. The second part of verse 10 closely relates to the first part. In the second part of verse 10... Jesus prays and he says, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's the simple prayer. That God, your will would be done in earth as it is in heaven. I want to share with you this morning a couple of truths I think that we can pull out of this scripture. One, as we come to it, as we hear Jesus pray about God's will... We've got to recognize, I think, in our lives that we must be committed to God's will. We, we have to commit ourselves to God's will. Understand that when Jesus is praying here, he is not praying in a vacuum. I mean, the disciples are listening to him. The disciples are wanting to learn how to pray. But as he prays, they are putting into context his own personal life. I mean, this is not the first time Jesus has expressed concern or attention for the Father's will. As a matter of fact, all throughout Jesus' life and all throughout his ministry, you will see that he was committed to the Father's will. The will, the purpose of the Father and the Son, well, they were one. That purpose was. That purpose was one in both of them. Jesus was always concerned about fulfilling what the Father wanted him to do. Think just a moment. 
the first words that we have recorded from Jesus' mouth in the Scripture. The first words that we have recorded. Now, I know that when Jesus was a baby, yes, I believe he ooed and he awed because he was a man, right? He was just like us. He was a baby. I believe he spoke different words as he was growing up. I know that. But the first recorded words in the New Testament that Jesus spoke, those first recorded words, I must be about my father's business. I believe that that was intentional. Put there, of course, certainly by the Holy Spirit as he was, as he was inspiring the writer that we would know that these words set the context for Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry. That everything Jesus wanted to do was to bring glory to the Father and fulfill the Father's will. He said, I must be about my Father's business. Later, John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said that my food is to do the will of he, the one who sent me, and to finish his work. Now think about those words. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Now what is food? It's life, right? Well, come on, for some of us it's life. We enjoy food. It, it is it, it is. It is essential to our nourishment. It is essential to our livelihood. It is essential to who we are. And what Jesus says is that the basic need of my life, the basic purpose of my life is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said that. And of course, perhaps most clearly later on, that Thursday night before his death, as Jesus was there in the garden, see, he understood what was coming the next day. See, he understood, yes, the physical suffering, but as he also understood the spiritual and emotional toll that he would pay. He prayed. And he prayed that the Father would allow that cup, that cup of sin and bitterness that cup of suffering, he prayed that the Father might let that cup pass, that somehow he wouldn't have to drink. But at the same time, we know that Jesus offered his purpose, offered himself to the Father by saying, not my will, but thy will be done. I give you all these examples just so you know that when Jesus prays here, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, that, that Jesus himself had personally committed to the Father's will. And everything about his life was to somehow fulfill God's purpose and God's plan. Everything. So let me say to you, when we come and we offer these prayers, when we are praying God's will, we must be willing to commit ourselves to God's will to start with. We come with that posture. God, we really want to hear, we want to know, but we also want to do. We're going to talk about knowing God's will in a moment. But sometimes the most difficult thing is doing God's will after you know it. George Truitt said, to know God's will is the greatest knowledge, but to do God's will is the greatest achievement. But we have to come with that heart and that attitude. God, you tell us your will. 
You show us your will, and we want to see that will done personally in our lives here on this earth. God, we're committing ourselves to it. We want to follow you. We must pray, God, not my will be done, but yours. Now, I believe God will and can show us his will in a variety of ways. And I believe even when we're not at the most committed moments, God can get his word across to us. I believe that. But let me ask you this. Why would God reveal his will to you if you have no intention of fulfilling that will? I mean, why would you, you, you come to him and say, God, I, I, want, I want to know your will. But your heart's not in it. Your commitment's not in it. Why would God just simply say, hey, this is, this is a revelation of myself and my will. Here it is, but I know you're not going to do it. Again, I know God can do all things. But I just say to you that I believe if we are seeking him with a committed heart, it's a whole lot easier to see his will, to know his will, and yes, to do his will. We must come with committed hearts. Lives that are committed to his will. Jesus was committed to his will. Before he ever offered this word, his purpose and his plan aligned with that of the Father. But there are times in our lives, yes, there are times in all of our lives, where we may not be as committed as we should to the will of God. There have been times in my life, I was thinking back through it because I was studying this passage this week and I always try to relate it personally to myself I think to my if I can relate the scripture to myself it helps me to relate it to you maybe more effectively and I was thinking through different moments and I've got all kinds of moments where I recognize now that I was not surrendered fully to the will of God all kinds of moments but I remember specifically being in the church there at Pine Grove in Picayune Mississippi down in South Louisiana, that I was there about five years, and it was just a church kind of out in the country. We were blessed. I mean, God was good to us, but I tell you, he was especially good to me there. The people believed as long as I visited some and I preached a little, and I just did what I was supposed to do, then I could go deer hunting anytime I wanted to. You want to talk about a little piece of heaven I thought I had found on the Pearl River down there in South Mississippi. And not to mention the church. I mean, the church was, the Lord was just doing good things. I'm telling you that it was like every Sunday we saw people saved. Every Sunday we were seeing people come to know the Lord. It, it was unbelievable. This church was just growing and it was blessed and there were all kinds of things going on. And I'll be honest with you, I had planted myself there. Walked into the office of Dr. Reggie Oje one day down in New Orleans Seminary. I was his teaching assistant at the time. And Dr. Oje and I began talking and he said, Hey, Reggie, he said, I, I'd, like, I'd like for you to bring your resume to me. I said, Really? He said, Yeah, I'm doing an interim at this church and I'd like to submit your name. I said, Well, that's good, but man, I'm happy where I am. So, you know, I'm good, not looking to leave. Uh, no, I, that's good. That's good. So I went back, and I think I'd mentioned it to Leslie, but we just dismissed it from there. And it was some weeks later 
I went back into the office of Dr. Oje to be able to pick up my papers and grade them for him and all of that. And he said, hey, Reggie, he said, you forgot to bring me that resume. I said, no, Dr. Oje, remember I told you, man, I'm happy where I am. Things are going great. I mean, it's awesome. It's wonderful. Um, no, I didn't forget. I just, remember I said I wasn't going to bring it to you. He said, yeah, I think I do remember that now. But maybe I need to remind you of the professor-student relationship and how I am the professor and you are the student. You'd have to know, Dr. Reggie Oje. <laughs> some, of you, some of you may have had relationships with professors like that before, but... I said, okay, Dr. OJ, I'll do it. I went home and I told Leslie, and Leslie said, what? You're doing it? Why would you do it? I said, because he told me I had to do it. <laughs> and she said, she said, well, where is this church? I said, I don't know. I didn't ask him. I don't want to know. I'm not going there. It's in Louisiana. I'm not going down in that place. No, no. Would not happen. Took him my resume, and about a few weeks later, I get this questionnaire in the mail from First Baptist Church of Zachary, Louisiana. I looked at Leslie and I said, where is Zachary, Louisiana? So we got the map out and we looked around and saw it was close to Baton Rouge and I said, well, that's interesting. And they told me all kinds of things about their church and their little cover letter and those kinds of things. And if I wanted to submit something, I needed to do it by the end of the week. Well, of course, we kind of prayed about it we looked at it we were still very happy where we were and did not want to go anywhere but i told leslie i said i don't know what dr oj is going to say about me if i don't send this back in and i still got to get my degree one day you know we mailed it on friday the last day i got a call friday afternoon the chairman of the pulpit committee the pastor search committee Brother George Wells, he called, and he said, Brother Reggie, I was just calling to see if you got our packet. I said, yes, sir, I did. Well, are you going to respond to our packet? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I sent it. I put it in the mail today. He said, I am so proud to hear that. We would like to talk to you just a little bit about where you are and what's going on in your life. And I said, that's good, but I need to tell you something right now, Brother George. I just planted watermelons in my backyard. <laughs> this was April, and I'm planning on being here when they come right. We just started working on a, on a food plot. I thought I would run him off. I mean, he was a suburb of Baton Rouge. He wouldn't want this country boy anyway, you know. I said... I've got a food plot for my deer started. We're already working on getting all that thing cleaned out behind my house. I said, I, I'm, I'm really not planning on leaving. He said, that's a fair assessment, fair statement. He said, we'll just see what God does. It's tough, tough to know what, when somebody says something like that, right? I'll tell you, I wasn't the most surrendered. I could see so many other things that I wanted to do. So many other things that I wanted to accomplish. We were, again, seeing growth. People were talking about building buildings. My treasure. Well, you know, the treasure is usually the cheapest man that you'll ever find in the church or so. But 
Titus man, the treasurer, came to me. He was afraid we would be able to build him. So he said, hey, I think we ought to start a new service. Let's just start another service. You know, I'll buy you a book. I'll buy you a book that tells you how to start another service. And I said, well, we might have to do that. But, hey, I was so excited that he was excited that he thought we need to do something. I felt like David told people this before. I felt like David, knowing what God could do and what God would do, but what God would not allow me to do. So I finally said, God, this is yours. I had forgotten. I had forgotten that this is your kingdom, not mine. I had forgotten this is about your will, not mine. And God, I pray you would raise up a Solomon that would come along that would fulfill those plans that you have for this church. You know, that's been, Leslie, I guess, uh, some 11, 12 years ago. And it still hurts just as bad today. But I knew what God's will was. I wasn't happy about it. I wasn't even committed to start with. But I learned a lesson that when you come to God and you talk to him about his will and you pray for his will, you better be ready and you better be committed and you better be prepared to follow it. Because it's not just about knowing it, it's about doing it. And here when you pray, you say, thy will be done. You better understand that that applies to your life just as much as it does anybody else's. When you come to God and you say, God... I want your will to be done here in this earth just as it is in heaven. You are praying for God to invade your heart and your life to show you what you need to do and for you to follow him as you should. You're praying for those things. You've got to be committed. Jesus was committed. Jesus, when he prayed these words personally, he was committed to the Father's business, to not only knowing it, but to doing it. So when you approach God in prayer, first of all, I would just say to you, commit to his will. Before you even talk to him, before you even ask him, commit to his will. And then it's okay, just as Jesus does here, to cry out for his will. To cry out for his will to be done. Now, this word will means something like want or desire. God, I want your wants. God, I desire your desires, your plan, your purpose. It is crying out for God's own will to be accomplished. Let me try to break it down as well as I can. I've only got a few minutes here, and look, this is one of those things that we could take theological classes on, and we still still would have questions at the end. But I believe as you look at this passage, it confirms what you see throughout the New Testament that there is a perfect will of God and there is a permissive will of God. Notice here you might call it the heavenly will and the earthly will. Jesus says, we want to see your will done here on this earth just as it is in heaven. So notice he's talking about two different types of Two types of scenarios. In heaven, 
You see the perfect will of God accomplished daily. On earth, you see his permissive will accomplished. Now listen to me clearly. No matter earth, heaven, where you are, God is always on the throne. He never relinquishes control. He never gives up his authority. Our God is always governing the hearts and minds of this world. He is always active in the affairs of men. So hear me say that very clearly to start with. But we also know from the New Testament, from what we see around us as well, that there's a perfect will and there's a permissive will. In heaven, what do you have? You have this perfection. You have this paradise. There's no sin. There's no rebellion. There's no transgression in heaven. Sin cannot enter into heaven itself. So in heaven, you have all these things that are perfect, that are giving glory to God here on this earth. We live daily in a state of brokenness. We live in a state of flaws and failures. Friends, sin encompasses our hearts and our lives. We can feel it. Just this week, just this week, my heart was overwhelmed to feel the burden of our families, of so many who are struggling with sin and its effects and its consequences. And if you're like me, you feel that pressure daily. We recognize that God has a plan and God has a purpose and it will ultimately be fulfilled. But we also know that he has permitted us to live according to the choices that we've made. And the sin consequences that we've seen. And all of us are partakers in this world. There's a perfect will. There is a permissive will. God has a perfect will for your life. He wants to accomplish things in you. But there is also that which he will permit in your life. If you so choose. Let me give you an example theologically. I believe personally. Now you may disagree with me. You can just be wrong. But listen to me. <laughs> I believe it is God's desire. I believe it is God's heart that all men and women would come to a saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. I, I believe, I believe he is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's his heart. That's his love for his people. But at the same time, understand, He has permitted us to choose our own ways, to choose the way of sin itself. We are not, we are not automated machines. We are flesh and blood who make decisions and many times wrong decisions. And unfortunately, there are those, there are those today who will not conform to his perfect will, but rather who reject him and reject his identity. And because of that, they do not know salvation. And if they continue to reject him, they will never know salvation in their hearts and lives. 
I believe for us, when we come and we pray, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We are praying that God's perfect will would be displayed here on this earth. That we would see the perfection of heaven itself. That we would see daily. We would see daily people coming to know him. Yes, we would see people that were conforming their will to his. Let me say this. I believe it's not only God's purpose to save us, but I believe it is God's purpose to sanctify us. And some of us who are saved, well, friends, we need to grow. We need to be set apart. We need to be different. And yes, I believe ultimately God's going to fulfill these things in the hearts of the believers. And one of these days when he calls me home, one of these days when he comes and returns and if my body is here in a grave and he restores it, resurrects it, redeems it, I believe one day he will fulfill his purpose in my heart and life. I believe that. But I believe right now I ought to be growing and hearing and seeing what he would do in my life. So when I pray thy will be done, not only am I committed, but I'm crying out, God, I want your will to be done here in my own personal life as well. God, I'm crying out for that. I want to see that. Now, I don't have time this morning to explore the will of God or knowing the will of God. But may I make just a couple of statements. I think more of us know the will of God than what we want to admit. Oh, we like to say, oh, we just got to, we, we got to pray about it. We got to know. God has revealed much of his will already to us. I tried to go these past few days and quantify exactly how much, but I can't quite get there yet. But it's, it's a lot. You see this word? It is God's revelation to us. It reveals his character. It reveals his plan. It reveals his purpose. And I'm going to say to you, when you read it, you can know in many instances the will of God for your life. Sometimes it is clearly stated. Maybe if you turn to Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So you know this. Presenting yourself as this sacrifice to God Allowing your mind and heart to be renewed by him, not being conformed, this, that's God's will for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Maybe I need to read that again. Rejoice! Always. That's God's will for you. Now, I know it doesn't take necessarily a smile on your face, but it'd be nice this morning if you put one on your face and know that we're rejoicing 
always. That's God's will. To pray without ceasing, that's God's will for us. To be able to give thanks, that's God's will. You say, well, although those things are, are good, but how about, I mean, that's real life stuff. Well, Paul dealt with real life stuff in the scripture. This week I was reminded as one of the evangelism conference preachers was preaching and he's, he reminded us that in 1 Thessalonians, Paul wrote to the church there and he reminded them that Jesus would be coming and that they needed to prepare themselves. In 2 Thessalonians, he writes to them because what have they done? Well, they said, oh, Jesus is coming. We're going to just sit down and do nothing. Because that's the way we feel. We just ought to sit down and just wait. And Paul wrote to them. He wrote some very strong words to them. He said, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone would not work, neither shall he eat. He said, no, that's not the way you approach this. See, the problem is when we approach the will of God and we're praying for that will to be done, too often we base, we base our decisions on our feelings. We feel this. I'm at a peace about this, preacher. Let me say to you that if you're at a peace with a decision that goes against God's word, then you are still wrong. And you need to submit yourself to Christ because you have walked away from Him. And there are principles throughout the Scripture that guide us. There's wisdom of God that guides us. We know in daily life. Well, I don't like my boss. I don't think I'm going to work anymore. Turn over to the book of Colossians where it talks about those who are employed by others how they should submit to those in authority. Well, you know what? I, tax season's coming up. I'd kind of like to keep some of this money for myself. Uh, Dr. Reggie, I could give more to the church if I kept it. Not paid my taxes. Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Man, did you hear what that guy said about me? I'm going to get him back. You are. Yes, I'm going to get him back. You just wait. Well, you shouldn't get him back. Oh, you just don't know, preacher, what he said. He heard me. He talked about my mama. <laughs> the Bible says vengeance is mine. I'm telling you that you can find more about the will of God for your life right here in the Scripture. He's already, he's already spoken to us in so many of these things. There's not as much mystery as what we would like to pretend. It's whether or not we will commit ourselves and cry out for his will and not ours. We pray for God's will to come in our hearts and lives. And we pray for God's will to be known among all. Hey, God is so good and great. He deserves more than just me and you. He deserves the worship of all nations. He deserves the worship of people across this globe. And what we ought to pray is that His will would be done here on this earth just as it is in heaven. That others would come to understand Him in salvation. That they'd accept Jesus Christ as their Lord. And that they would come and submit themselves to Him as well. That they might fulfill the perfect will that 
God has for them. We ought to pray for that will to be established, for people to respond to him in such a way. There's a, just as I spoke about last week with the kingdom, there's a sense of it, of where it comes when people enter into a relationship with God, but also we know that there is this future fulfillment as Jesus comes again. Remember, last week I talked about the kingdom and how there is a king and we are his servants. We don't live in a democracy. We live in a kingdom. And our heart's desire as kingdom people, our heart's desire should be the will of the king. And we should see that will established here on this earth. And we should pray that, yes, as he comes, ultimately, ultimately, when he comes again, that he sets up this kingdom here on this earth, that then his perfect will would be known. Sin would be totally removed. Its consequences. And we would see that will established. I say to you, when we commit ourselves to his will and when we cry out to it, we have confidence that he will work on our behalf. John spoke these words, and I will close. John said, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So as we align our will with his, as we commit ourselves, submit ourselves to who he is and what he's done, as we cry out, God, for your will to be accomplished, for it to be done, literally for it to be decisively stated and recognized, as we cry out for that will to be accomplished, we know that we have confidence that our God will fulfill His will and His purpose. He will hear His people and He will answer their prayers. Let's pray. Father, I pray this day that every one of us in this place that we have bowed to Your will that we have submitted. First of all, Lord, I pray this morning, just as I said a moment ago, you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God, this day, I pray that you would speak to the hearts and lives of those who are lost in this place and tell them again of the love that you have for them. And how you've demonstrated it through your son, the Lord Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. And God, I pray that those who are lost, that they would submit to your will and that they would come and they would, Lord, they would confess you and they would know salvation today. For those of us who are saved, God, make it so much more about you than us. Help us that we can hear your plan, your purpose. And Lord, that we can align who we are with your perfect desire. God, we pray.
every day that your reign, that your will would be known. And Lord, how we look forward to that day when perfection itself is established here on this earth with your son's coming. We praise you now. We exalt you. In Jesus' name.